0: Paging Dr. Seiler, paging Dr. Seiler. If you're feeling run down, tired, exhausted by the daily drip, drip, drip of your life-saving straining away, the Stock Doctor's prescription may be right for you. The Stock Doctor's prescription will give you the ease and peace of mind knowing that you're getting the best possible information. Do not use Stock Doctor's Prescription if you're allergic to Stock Doctor's Prescription or any of its ingredients, including, but not limited to, wisdom, research, critical thinking, thoughtful discourse, occasional fart jokes, drinking references, drum solos. Side effects of the Stock Doctor's Prescription may include unwieldy wealth deposits, previously unknown relatives, groupies, extended comfort in your retirement, and swelling. The Stock Doctor's Prescriptions are available at Walgreens, Apple, iTunes, and everywhere the better podcasts are available, and right here. This is the Stock Doctor's Prescription.
1: Welcome to the show. As our announcer said, this is the Stock Doctor's Prescription. I'm Lee Seiler, also known as the Stock Doctor. You're listening to the show here for the weekend of January 26th and 23rd, right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. And to joined today, as always, Justin Kenny. This is Justin. Yep. We have the fiscal therapist, Jared Bocart, and our Megalennial herself, Miss Nikki Ward, which will have a millennial moment. Is that a temper tantrum?
2: No, oh, not yet. You're, okay. not, you're not playing Katy Perry. so.
1: Oh, okay. But you love that song.
3: Love it. We all do.
1: I know mm. you, you love the song, but what you're not loving right now is what's going on in the market. No. All right, so let's uh, clarify, first of all, when we are doing this show because it's certainly not Saturday afternoon in the Panhandle or Sunday morning in Orlando, but we are airing at those times right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. So the markets have been really ragged lately and we're not seeing a lot of recovery here. Um, we have concerns. I mean, look, Although, there's a lot going on. The Fed has certainly changed directions, and that's since uh, Jay Powell got renominated. But we have a market that last week, we're recording, by the way, this is a Thursday, right around the market close on uh, January 20th? 20th. Yes, January 20th, Thursday, the market is about to close. And just to give you an idea what's going on with the market, uh, we'll tell you right now because we're about to close. The Dow, all three major averages were up nicely. And now, all of a sudden, we see the Dow down 341 points at 34,682. The NASDAQ down 193 points at 14,146. The S&P down 53, so uh, at 44,78. So we're seeing a lot of carnage out there in the markets. Uh, And this is on the heels of the week before, which we were down, but not down that much. The Dow is down almost 1%. The S&P and NASDAQ down about a quarter of a percent. So we've seen this before, Justin. Yep. This is not something that's uncommon. It, it's a little uncommon for January. You know, January typically is a continuation of a decent time of years for our seasonality with the markets. But look, we have interest rates that the Fed has already transparently said we're raising rates and they're saying potentially four times this year.
2: Yeah, and I've also heard some speculation that instead of doing so by a quarter of a percent that they would do it as 50 basis points.
1: Yeah, and it that, that's does happen. I mean, it's happened. Because if the Fed, and we saw Brian Westbury, who's an economist at First Trust, we saw him speak a couple of weeks ago. And they're looking to get the Fed funds up to two and a half, three percent 3%. That's a lot of rate hikes. It is. It's a lot of rate hikes. So they're not going to be able to do that probably in, in 25 basis point increments, which the 50 basis points. Look, I, I'm I'm the camp that when you really sift through the data and when you see that, I mean, quite frankly, we're seeing inflation, yes, but how much of that is wage inflation? That's not going away. But I think everything else, once the supply chain issues get worked out, which could be middle of this year, later this year, from what I'm hearing with economists, but certainly inflation is a problem, and the Fed may be or may have been behind the curb just a bit. They may have been.
2: They may have. They may have also just been trying to placate so that, Jerome Powell could have his job.
1: This is true, too. And and he was very, very accommodative until he got that nomination.
2: And then he just about-faced.
1: Absolutely. So let's talk about the January barometer because this is basically what we're talking about. And, and again, a little bit disconcerting what we're seeing here. And anything with high multiples or what we call high PEs, those stocks have been really getting hammered the most. Uh, we are in earnings season, so that could help us a little bit if earnings come out. Better than expected. We'll talk about that as well going forward. We'll also talk about Microsoft. We'll talk about uh, our Americans, uh, Americans saving enough money. But so let's talk January. The NASDAQ so far, the NASDAQ composite so far this month, which we're 20 days in, not 20 trading days, but 20 days in, has had its worst January since 2008. That was the start of the big bear market. I was going to say, what was happening then? Yeah. Yeah. The financial crisis. Uh, It's down more than 10% from its highs. And one thing that's interesting is that, yes, the NASDAQ is down over 10% from its highs, but 40% of all NASDAQ stocks have been cut in half. Ouch. Jeez. In half. So keep in mind what the NASDAQ represents. They represent growth companies.
2: Technology. Mm -hmm.
1: For the most part. Yeah. Growth companies, for the most part, being technology. So... Growth companies are gonna be more susceptible to higher rates. So that's where we've seen this shift to value and, and we do own value and we you have to own value. And we get the question a lot. Should I be out of the market, in the market? There is no in out right. or in. You're always in. You may not be in as much. You cannot
4: time the market. No. Nikki, what do you need the market?
2: Mm-hmm. We need time in the market.
4: Not time in the market. Mild, like the Grinch over there. So, okay. so look, Cat. We, look, we started out to
1: a rough 2020. We're going to try and give you some ideas. that It's may, 2022. Excuse, 2022. <laughs> Thank you. Um, which history shows that if you have a weak January, the January barometer, uh, you're going to have likely a weak rest of the year. So you had a great year in 2021. The S&P so far in January is down about 4 to 5%. This is in January so far. Since 1950, the January barometer has proven true for all but 12 years. We're talking 71 years. 12 years it has not held true, meaning, according to Stock Traders' Almanac, and there's been some notable ex- exclusions to this, 1966 through 68, which is the Vietnam War, 2001, which is 9-11, the new bull market that started in March of 2009, and the two past pandemic year eras. But every down January since 1950, except those I mentioned, were followed by either a new or continuing bear market, in this case could be a new bear market, or a 10% correction, we've seen that in the NASDAQ, Yeah. or a flat or down year, except for 2021.
3: I was going to say, one of those notable exceptions was was last year.
1: Sure. I mean, we had a bad January, ended up having a pretty pretty darn good year. On average, after a down January for the S&P 500, which, by the way, on average, the S&P 500 does pull back about 13% after a January a down January, and it will close at its 11-month low, but the index closes the year typically. So in other words, 2022, on average, would likely be down 1.1% after a down January. That's the average, but you do see a correction of that 13% on average before that.
2: I mean, I think 2022, the waters look choppy, but I think also as well, that provides an opportunity for you to buy great companies at a discount.
4: I like that. I mean, some of these stocks right now, the Nasdaq's obviously obviously 12% off its high, um, but a lot of the rate hikes are now being priced in. So, I mean, foreseeably, these stocks will, will... regain some of those losses by year end that's a great point jared because the market
1: does price these things in and when you look at stocks that are absolutely getting hammered that have good performance and good earnings they're getting hammered because they maybe have a little stretched valuation Mm -hmm. and and the market is is saying hey it shouldn't be this stretched but that is for now justin i'm sorry i was
3: just going to comment on on how how much i love our millennials i mean just the positive you know nikki said hey that's This is your chance. Right. This is your chance. You've been on the sidelines waiting for a deal. Now it's here. There's a lot of deals out there. A lot of of things to own. A lot of sales going on right now. And, and, you know, we talked about earnings. And we
1: are right in the midst of earnings season. And uh, we we had the banks report, which have been a little bit disappointing thus far, um, at least from the big banks. I mean, the common theme seems to be higher expenses. And we kind of knew this, that wage inflation was going to be here. But the banks... See that uh, I mean Goldman Sachs, they missed Wall Street expectation on earnings because of surge in expenses, and that's because they paid Wall Street workers a lot more to work there. plus they put a little bit a uh, little extra in litigation reserves. The bank said Q4 earnings fell 13% year over year. And look, I think that Goldman Sachs was overdone on the downside. It got absolutely bludgeoned after earnings.
2: They also increased their staffing by 8%. And sure. not to mention, you know, they had a slowdown in equities trading.
1: Yep. And that's All of them the thing. Did. They missed. They missed. And they had a great, a banner year for equities trading in their trading departments. They missed by about 300 million uh, as far as the uh, expectation. And just like Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan and Citi also saw a rise in expenses. Um, look, Charles Schwab came out basically told the same story. And they paid the price. J, uh, Charles Schwab stock down 6% on the news. So as of today or before today, there have been 55 companies that have already reported earnings from the S&P 500. They've averaged 76% of those 55 have beat earnings expectations by an average amount of 8.6%. This compared to last quarter, which was Q3 earnings, because we're in Q4 earnings right now. That 88% of the companies beat expectations, and they beat by 15%. Jared Bocart, does that mean something to you?
4: Yes, it's complacency, essentially. We've gotten so used to this new standard, essentially, of uh, beating earnings by a, a very wide margin, that now anything below that, even though they're still beating for the most part, is now, oh, that's not good enough anymore. Um, I think for this earnings season, I think you'll see a lot of companies that still beat. The fourth quarter was not bad. The first quarter, I, we talked about this. The first quarter is what I'm going to be kind of worried about. But um, I think the bar is set too high, especially in a, especially in the market we're seeing right now.
2: I also think that they should be commended for their transparency of coming out and saying, you know, our profit margin is going to be a little bit, it's going to suffer a little bit because we are having to pay higher wages in a tight labor market to keep competitive with You know, talent, a talent pool that's shrinking.
1: And uh, we have a question, by the way, and wants to talk about the market. So before we do that, if you have questions about the market, you want to talk about your portfolios, call the office 407-831-8002. That's 407-831-8002. We had a listener question, Jason from Altamont Springs. That's in Central Florida. He asks, the markets look weak so far this year, just like we've been talking about. Do you still feel okay investing in stocks. So, you know, I just want to preface this, Jason, I want to make sure everybody understands this is not an all or none deal. This is not, you're either in the market or you're out of the market. If you are an investor and you have a time horizon, you should always be in the market, but in the market to what degree? If you have stocks that are extended, that have made a big run, you may want to pair that back. But certainly I would never tell anybody go to complete cash because that is a losing
3: proposition
2: particularly when inflation is running rampant.
3: Yeah, how are yeah, so you going to out- get a quarter percent on your money when right. you're paying 7% right. higher prices? How, how exactly are you going to outperform inflation when your cash is a non-performing asset, it's doing nothing for you?
4: You'd have the one guarantee. If you're if you're going into um, like bonds, for example, and you're making 4%, well, yeah, you're guaranteed you're not making any money. There, there's always going to be a little bit of a risk you need to take in order to keep up with the market, keep up with inflation, not the market per se, but and if you're not beating inflation, you are not making any money. So that's a guarantee. Yeah. And you know, if you are a more moderate or conservative investor,
1: then you have less equity exposure. You shouldn't be exposed that much to the market. So you know, on average, if you are close to retirement age, you should be balanced 50-50, 60-40, somewhere around there. If you're drawing income, you still shouldn't be in a full-blown income portfolio because in now income, the good thing is with rates going up, it will help the income investors. You are going to be able to get CDs and things like that at uh, at some better pricing, so uh, and better yield. So anyway, uh, when we come back, we'll talk more about some uh, really interesting things going on in the market, like Microsoft, like Tesla. You're listening to the Stock Doctor Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. Don't go anywhere. Coming right back.
5: Are you losing sleep over recent market volatility affecting your hard-earned retirement savings? Let's face it, if you're at or near retirement, you can't afford to lose 40% of your nest egg like so many did in 2008. On one hand, you want safety and guarantee of principle. On the other hand, most people prefer the potential of higher growth by being linked to the market. Now you can have both principal protection during market downturns, and desirable market-linked growth during upturns. When the market goes up, you go up with it and your gains are locked in. And when the market goes back down, you're guaranteed not to lose. It's that simple. If you like the idea of avoiding market risk but earning more than a CD, call Siler Wealth Management at 407-831-8002. We'll keep it simple. We'll teach you time-tested, proven strategies to help grow your income and keep your principles safe for retirement. To get started, call Seiler Wealth Management
1: at 407-831-8002. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. Numbers to reach us to discuss your portfolio and, and things we can do for you, and, uh, which includes free portfolio analysis, uh, annuity analysis, and reviews. Uh, We can do uh, actually we are now we have the ability to do your taxes here in the office and we are doing a a special rate for our clients as far as tax preparation. So uh, call the office. We can help you. And again, at any time we have a meeting, it is a no obligation. So let's just it's always good to have a portfolio review. It's a new year and a lot of folks have New Year's resolutions and one of them. Yes. Going to the gym. That's a great thing. Eating better. Sure. Drinking less. Sure. Eh. But what? Yeah, we don't like that. <laughs> what about but what about looking at your portfolio and taking a look at it and say, OK, is this really suitable for me? This is where I fit. I'm pre-retired. I I have all these aggressive funds in my portfolio. I saw the market drop. You know, we need to talk about that. And we look at folks Uh, their portfolios every day this is what we do for a living on a daily basis just like uh, Jason from Altamont he had the question so his question was the market looks weak so far yes and I'll give you the closing numbers by the way because remember we are doing the show it is pre-recorded and uh, we are recording it just as the market closed on Thursday January 20th so you have um, the Dow is down 313 points the Nasdaq down 186. The S and P down 50. Uh, Netflix just reported earnings. Obviously, Street doesn't like it. That's not good. We bought a little bit of Netflix before the before the close today. Um, put a limit in, and I got it. You know, I just thought these numbers were going to be good, and they don't look like the numbers are bad. And
3: the subscriptions no. look okay. So yeah,
2: they doubled subscriptions from the prior quarter
3: and beat. Yeah, and I mean, I, come on. What what else is there? Who's not looking forward to Ozark on Friday? <laughs> I actually really, really am excited.
1: <laughs> I am too. And this is the last uh, season. But anyway, so look, Netflix reported. You can't really look at after hours trading. I can't tell you how many times I've seen stocks down or up mm-hmm. after hours. And the next day, it's a total 180 because you have to get the, the conference calls out of the way. And then the analysts have to come out and say, hey, we think that's still pretty good price. But keep in mind, Netflix is down 26% from its high has a lot of that already baked in the cake. Yeah. Is it? Possibly. I believe so. All right, something else that uh, happened earlier this week. Microsoft, Mr. Softy, announced a buy of Activision Blizzard for 68 billion, that's with a B, dollars, or 95 cents, or excuse $95 per share in all cash. This will give Microsoft a large menu of games such as Call of Duty or World of Warcraft. I have no idea. I've never played those things. I've seen people play them.
2: Candy Crush.
1: Um, Microsoft CEO said they have 25 million Game Pass subscribers, and this deal will offer as many Activision Blizzard games as they can within the uh, Xbox Pass and the PC Game Pass. So they believe this transaction will help them better compete with rival Sony PlayStation, which, Jared, you made a comment that when this deal was announced, Sony stock took a hit
4: yeah it dropped 12 percent on the news uh so their xbox game pass is pretty much think of it as netflix um for games uh it's just they offer it on the xbox live system where you can subscribe for however much per month i have no idea what it is um but and you have a certain menu of games that you can play i guarantee you that that call of duty will not be on that um but uh it's gonna be a disney plus premium yeah that's premium premium package so yeah, I, I think it's a great. This, this isn't going to happen for another what year or two. It, it has to it's go take a little while. So
2: it's yeah. projected to close in 2023 if it passes regulatory scrutiny. I don't
4: I see. see how it wouldn't.
2: Monopolies, we'll, we'll see. Um. Antitrust.
3: Everything Jared just said, though, reminded me that there's literally almost no reason for GameStop to exist anymore. Exactly. <laughs> Truth. Just throwing it out there.
1: I mean, Microsoft was had it start out having a great day, was up significant, one of the best performers in the S and P, and then ended up closing lower. Uh, down a dollar seventy three at three oh one. So
2: I like Microsoft at this. I think
4: Microsoft price. these levels are interesting. I was excited. Do you like GameStop at this levels? I have not heard any of the social media savants that were <laughs> so great at everything um, early on during the during last year or during the pandemic start. They they're pretty quiet right now.
2: No one's calling in and saying uh, how brilliant their nephew is.
4: They're not asking us to buy Dogecoin for them. No, anymore. they are not.
1: Hey, you hear the music, you hear the music, I see the arms waving in the air, that tells me it is time for our millennial moment with our megalennial, Miss Nikki Ward. Nikki, you got fans out there.
2: Hi, Dad. <laughs> right. That's
1: right. He does He does listen.
2: He does. And I actually heard from a client the other day who was saying that they were listening to it and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad someone other than my dad listens. That's great. So California prosecutors have filed two counts of vehicular manslaughter against the driver of a Tesla. This Tesla was on autopilot when it ran a red light, slammed into another car, and killed two people in 2019. Ouch. Not yeah, great. No. So, the defendant appears to be the first person to be charged with a felony in the United States for a fatal crash involving a motorist who is usually using a partially automated driving system. So, the misuse of autopilot is not new, right? I mean, autopilot can control steering, speed, and braking, but I think that this charge. I mean, these charges are only gonna serve as notice to drivers who use these automated driving systems that they cannot rely on them fully to control the vehicles, that they, the driver, are still responsible for anything that happens while they're behind the wheel. You know, I think that this takes the whole distracted driving to a whole new level.
1: But this also just sets if this does f- fly, this sets an unbelievable precedence that you are charging somebody for a vehicular ma- Now, again, so let's say if somebody was driving Mm-hmm. normally and not impaired mm-hmm. would they be charged of vehicular manslaughter
3: yes you i know. mean it's an accident that's yes yeah. i mean not impaired though no, i mean impaired. it depends on I mean, if they were being i, I thought indi- impaired
1: usually i way. mean
3: look civil's different yeah i know i don't well, think this the that's thing th- like were they were they doing a burnout at the time because then yes possibly they would be charged
4: i don't think this sets too much of a precedent these aren't fully autonomous cars like so yes if you're if you, there should be charged with this. You're supposed to be uh, at the wheel, ready to make any evasive maneuver you want. Once they become fully autonomous, though, that creates a whole nother issue because then you run into situations. I was like thinking about this: whether, like, let's say you're in that car and that thomas vehicle has an option between running over this pedestrian or nailing this car right beside you. Which option are you going to take? Which one's the least likely of death? Which one's the? I don't know. I'm not sure. I, this. It creates a whole litany of issues that we got to Nick, think Nikki, is there a civil case going on too with
1: this?
2: So there are. So the families of the two victims are not only suing the driver, but they're also suing Tesla.
1: Okay. Well, I understand that completely.
2: I do too. I mean, I think at the end of the day that the buck stops with Tesla. I don't think that Tesla goes out of their way to do just about anything. And I definitely don't think that they're informing drivers as far as, you know, this is only a level two automated driver system you need to have your hands on the wheel at okay. all times so you need to be at the is wheel is that what level present. two means please yes. explain
1: that to listeners yes
2: yeah. so what it is saying is that it requires the drivers keep their hands on the wheel and eyes on the road that means you can't be sleeping you can't be distracted i don't know if this person was show me
3: a video of somebody uh having sex while yes. the autopilot yeah, on. yes this is a thing this is actually a thing and um my question is level two like okay i i get that i really do get that my issue is that I'd say on day one of letting your car drive you to work, you're going to have both hands on the wheel. On day 12 of letting your car drive you to work, you're going to have a cup of coffee in one hand, maybe a bagel in the other. I was going to say, I did you that on my way
2: but, to work today, uh, look, and I do not have any you, autonomous driving. Well, the yeah.
1: example that I have is that you, if you have a GPS in your car, a navigation system, it doesn't allow you to punch the address in while you're moving. Right. Why would it allow you to cont- to, to fully autonomous? I mean, I would think that Tesla's so technology- technically advanced that they know when you're not touching the steering wheel or have your hands on steering wheel so
2: this is another thing that i just feel like tesla could be doing so much better they declined to include a more robust driver monitoring system something like infrared eye tracking for example to make sure you are alive and awake and alert at the wheel
3: i think it's just for the reason that you buy this because you want to let your car drive you and if the car doesn't let you do that then you're just not really interested in that feature and I'm sure that feature is not a cheap feature.
2: Oh, it's not. It's twelve thousand right, dollars.
3: Right. So I feel like if they put too many nannies on it, then people aren't really gonna care to own it. Like if I have if I have to drive while you drive, I don't know if I really care.
2: But I've seen it. I I mean the car will beep at you, it will shake the wheel, it will and it will disable the autonomous driving. I mean, it's not as if you can just Maybe, I don't understand how people can fall asleep. Maybe in instead it.
1: of focusing on flatulent sounds for their seats,
3: for right? Maybe look at something. May, the, your infrared. That eye thing. thing. Yeah. I did. I did read this week that there was a 19-year-old who who figured out how to hack into people's Teslas, and he would he would make the car make noises and right. sort of punk the the Tesla drivers. And he said he wasn't really doing it to, you know, ask for payment or ransom or anything like that. He was just showing people how to it's not like the allow.
2: modern day prank calling
3: yes i guess sort of he just wants tesla owners to realize these are the back doors these are the ways that you can get in and, and hack this car so huh?
1: well this is uh certainly a precedent-setting case here it's gonna
2: be i'm intrigued to see how it plays out
1: wow all right that was Nikki ward our megalennial with the millennial moments all right thanks nick We'll let the song play a little bit because I know you guys love it. There you go, arms in the air, Jared. You're getting much better at that, by the way. Thank way you, better at the arm movement. Yes,
2: never yes.
3: gets old.
1: Never gets old. It's awesome. Um, speaking of something that is not getting old is uh, well, I'm trying to do transition here. I'm not sure. Anyone? I, was gonna say. I know he's
3: not going to talk about
2: me. Anyone that's biking?
1: Anybody biking? Yeah, you're you're not getting old. Well. Uh, no, I
3: am getting old. That's how I know you're not going to be talking about me.
1: I am not talking about you because I'm the one in here that's getting old. But I want to talk about first before we go into, you know, you you gave us the hint here about Peloton. We're going to talk about that, which has been an un- unbelievably disaster for investors and for the company and who knows what else is going to happen. But, um, you know, we talk a lot about insider buying and selling. This is a... It's a legitimate way to look for opportunity because the insiders are usually correct in what they're doing. If they're buying, typically it's a good time. If they're selling, it's also maybe not a great time. So it could be bearish or bullish. But simply said, you know, insiders, sometimes they sell for a number of different reasons, whether it be diversification, estate planning. They have a divorce. You know, Elon Musk had to pay taxes. He just recently sold $16 Sure. So this brings me to Peloton. That's P-T-O-N. We don't own the stock. It's on the NASDAQ. Um, their execs sold nearly $500 million worth of the stock before its big decline. This is according to SEC filings. Much of the selling started when shares surged past $80 in the fall of 2020. Then the sales gained momentum in 2021 when the stock held above $100. The CEO sold $119 million worth of the stock starting in November 2020. Um, others that sold were the president. Uh, the co-founder and chief legal and culture. They have a culture officer, by the way. What does that mean? I have no
3: idea. Why is it the millennials chuckling at that?
2: Because I I knew just how baffled you would be by the idea of culture.
3: I fully expected the millennials to be like, you're you're darn right Right, they do. A culture
1: officer. Why wouldn't they wouldn't they have a culture officer? Peloton stock is down 80% from its 52-week highs and uh, trading below its IPO price. IPO price of $29, not trading at $15, $16. That's
3: what they get for killing big.
4: Twenty five. It's at 25 right now. Peloton? Yeah. Yeah, it's not at $16. It was at 25 Okay,
1: so it, it jumped a little bit. I, I was seeing it below that. Okay. Really? Um, Let me check that really quick. Okay. Yeah, it's at 24 Okay, so uh, the IPO is at $29. Um, most CEOs, look, they sell. We see that happening all the time. But the problem with Peloton is they just announced today that they're going to halt manufacturing of their bikes and treadmills temporarily as the demand slows. Look, this is a company that they just it blew up during the pandemic. People weren't going to the gyms. They said, hey, let's buy a Peloton. Now it hangs your clothes.
3: Yeah, now it's basically like a, you know, $1,800 clothes hanger. Exactly. I actually, think it's more than that. I so, don't
2: know. It's I about mean, to be because they're going to start charging you for shipping and uh, installation. That's
1: right. This on the heels of them announcing they're going to raise their prices for the delivery mm-hmm. and the setup. And I didn't realize this, but they also acquired Precore. Yeah. And Precore is those um, those machines. They build the big industrial,
3: industrial-like industrial gym. Um, it's a commercial-grade type. Right.
1: So they built uh, they bought Precore, so they have their manufacturing ability. So, um, look, I, I don't know. I, to me personally, a Peloton wouldn't work for me. I hear it's cool as hell. I hear it's a neat little machine. To me, I need to have somebody make me go.
4: I mean, I think they're going to need, as a part of a business model, they're going to need to diversify and probably get into more gym equipment and start selling to gyms because that's where people are going. It's hard to work out at home. It's hard to have the motivation to do that. And when people have the option to work out around other people suffering, they're going (laughs) to suffering together, I guess. Eh. They're going to want to do that.
2: Eh, I don't know. I I feel like it would be nice to be able to just hop on a bike at home. I don't want to go to the gym where someone's on the machine I want to be using.
4: But
1: would you do it?
2: Totally. Totally. Okay.
1: Hey, you're listening to Stock Doctor's Prescription. We have one more segment of the show left. We hope everybody sticks around, because we'll be right back.
0: Here is a quick list of things that you do not need in a financial advisor. One, they do not need to be in the tallest building in town. Two, they do not need to have a one-size-fits-all program. And three, they do not need to have a zombie apocalypse survival plan. Here are a few things that you do need in a financial advisor. One, a firm that takes their fiduciary responsibility to heart. Your success is their success. Two, custom-built portfolios, not cookie-cutter. And three, the ability to use stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and exchange-traded funds to make the right combination of security and investments for each client. Let the stock doctor and his team give you a free portfolio checkup. Call at 1-888-855-2855. That's 1-888-855-2855. Free financial review, no obligation, for all clients. Except for zombies. Zombies are on their own.
1: Hey, everybody, we're back. You're listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. Thanks for joining us. If you miss any part of this show, by the way, you can check it out on all the podcasts.
2: Whichever one's your favorite, we're there.
1: Yep. Or I think uh, they may even have it. I don't know. I have to check that on the Florida Man Radio website. I have no idea.
2: It is on our website.
1: It's on our website. So our website is stockdr.com. That's stockdr.com. And the phone numbers reach us here. If you like what you hear, you'd like to sit down with us and let's do a, a free portfolio review. We'd love to do that for you. And we are local, Central Florida, the uh, Seminole County area. All you have to do is call 407-831-8002. 407-831-8002. We also have uh, folks on this on this panel right here that have ties to uh, the panhandle. So uh, if, if some of you out there would like to have just a second opinion to your portfolio. We have no problem sending one of our guys up there because they like to see family anyway. So um,
3: I'm up there frequently as it is. Okay, so
1: let's go on to another listener question. We have Allie from Winter Springs. Allie asks, I'm 56 years old and do not currently have a 401k at work, but I have an old IRA from a previous employer. So she had a 401k, it sounds like, and then she rolled to an IRA. Should I contribute to this plan for 2021 or... Should I start a Roth IRA? So, you know, we always have to decipher these these questions just for what the information they give us. So she has a tax-deferred plan. Mm -hmm. A Roth IRA would be a tax-free plan. So what that means, it's after-tax dollars, and therefore, when the money comes out, you get tax-free growth and tax-free withdrawals. Okay, so um, the information I would like to know is if Allie was in a high tax bracket, right? If Allie was in one of the higher tax brackets, certainly a Roth IRA makes sense.
2: But if you're MAGI, if you're single, you know, if you're making, you have to make less than one hundred and twenty-nine thousand in order to contribute to a Roth. If yep. you're married filing joint, that bracket bumps up a little bit to
4: two hundred and four thousand. Yep, that was what I was gonna say. Yeah, Roth IRAs are great, but as far as what her plan is, uh,
2: we need more details. Yeah, need She's fifty-six,
4: details. so we know her limits are seven thousand. And we know that because
2: also, it's
1: 6000 with a $1,000 catch-up at 50 or over.
2: With that, too, though, I mean, she's not going to be penalized with an early withdrawal in three and a half years right. with just a traditional.
1: Correct. So we just have no more information. Roths are, are, a, are a great tool for your tax planning, for your estate planning down the road. It really is.
2: And you have up until you file your Tax return to contribute to this IRA for sure. 2021. And
1: that's what I want to encourage folks that we now, Jared is uh doing our tax preparation for clients. So uh you can now we we encourage you, do not call us on April 14th and <laughs> say, I want to make a contribution. We're gonna cut it off at some point. It's I don't know when April 15th falls, what day it falls on, but yeah, I'm already probably gonna be pulling an all night or that night. Yeah, so well, we're gonna we're gonna <laughs> we're to gonna cut it on. off a week in advance. So we're talking April eighth. Do not come to office before that, saying I want to make contribution because we want to make sure you get it and you get credit for it on your tax return. So um, we we do have tax
4: preparation availabilities here with Jared Bocart in the office. Yes, Jared. That's a great. great going back to that Roth IRA and estate planning, it's a great. Question to ask people too, and something to think about when you're trying to make a decision whether to contribute to an IRA or a Roth IRA is: Do you think will you be you think you will have more income in retirement or before you retire, and will the taxes be higher sure. or will they be lower? That's a big factor in whether or not you should be contributing to a Roth or a regular IRA.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, there's other things you
1: can do as well. If she uh, if she's self-employed, you can do a SEP IRA. If um,
2: we could talk to your employer potentially about setting up a simple
1: That's a great way to do it where you get low employee your contribution so that's good another another tax trick would be a, a health savings account that's a nice way to get a nice tax deduction and that's an above the line tax deduction of 3650 dollars if you are over 55 and over extra thousand 4650. A lot of people don't even realize they're eligible for an HSA right. And, and you just have to have a high deductible plan, which is $1,200 deductible, I believe. I
2: want to say it was like sixteen, but okay. somewhere within that Something range. around 16.
1: there. Yeah. So um, that's that's a great way to save for future health expenses. And they don't have to be used for that once you're over 65 years old. It's basically like an IRA. It
0: is.
1: Uh, and a lot of folks aren't doing a lot of savings as is because Bankrate took a survey. They asked 1,000 people if they could—this is the question— could you cover an emergency that cost $1,000 if it came up? 56% of the, of the 1,000 people that were surveyed said they could not come up with $1,000 in an emergency fund. Now, when we sit down with folks, especially the younger people that they're getting started, our first thing is, do you have enough money to cover your bills for six months or nine months?
2: That emergency fund should be anywhere between three to six months.
1: That's your first and foremost. Then, do you have a, an employer-sponsored plan where there's matching available? Yes, that's your next investment. Are you maxing that out? So, But 56% said they could not pay a $1,000 emergency fund. So, of course, 44% could. But 20% said they'd have to put on a credit card. Bad. 15% said they would cut a bill to to pay it and uh, cut other expenses. Uh, 10% would borrow from friends or family. Bad. 4% said they'd take a personal loan.
2: I do have to say, though, 44% reflects the highest percentage capable of covering the expense in the eight years of this poll. And it was up from 39% last year.
1: Yeah, and 60% can do it that are college-degreed and folks that make over 50000 a year. I mean, look, this obviously is pointing towards the lower-income people. And even for the lower-income people, it's very important to have an emergency fund.
3: I'm just sort of trying to wrap my mind around, like, did they target the people? Did they just randomly I, dial yeah. numbers? How, how do we come up with who to call?
1: Right. And look, there's ways to get started in the investment. Again, first and foremost, have an emergency fund, then do your employers. Eliminate like a, credit
2: card debt too right credit away. Credit card
1: day, we, we say that, say you got to get rid of that because if you're paying 15% interest, paying that off, you get a 15% return.
2: Yeah.
1: They, basically, that's your return. So we discuss this, especially with the younger clients, like we said, and and we try to come up with a plan for them. Maybe it's invisible investing, which is a good way to do it, meaning that you have money coming out of your checking account every month, whether it's $25, $50, $100, $200 a month going into a Roth or an IRA in dollar cost averaging in a mutual fund. That is a, an easy, good way to start. And we can certainly direct you.
2: It is set it and forget it. You don't see the money out of sight, out of mind.
1: Yep. So finally, before we uh, close out the show, after years of speculation, Verizon and AT&T have made the 5G network a reality as they turned on a major new part of their 5G network
3: on Wednesday of this week. Isn't that unbelievable?
2: I'll believe it when I see it. They've been lying to us about this for
3: how long? Yeah. I got my shots. I still didn't I still don't have 5G. <laughs> I don't get it.
1: Well, the networks use wavelengths called C band to cover a large part of the country with wireless service, and it's noticeably faster than 4G. In fact, they say it's ten times the download speed of the LTE network.
2: Can you imagine how impatient we're gonna be in ten years?
1: Ridiculous. We're
2: gonna have the instant gratification is uh, the norm.
3: Remember how cool dial-up net, dial-up internet was when we first had it?
2: Minus the sound of it dialing up, yes. I
3: was going to say only one other person at this table probably remembers that soundly. Oh, no, the, and picking up the phone and accidentally canceling the connection. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. That's right.
2: <laughs> right yeah. in the middle of a download.
1: That's right. I forgot that that happened. So anyway, Verizon and AT&T spent a fortune. In fact, Verizon says uh, they spent like $45 billion and... Um, AT&T, $23 billion. Verizon says 90 million people will get access to this new 5G service uh, this month in major cities including New York, Los Angeles, uh, San Francisco, and uh, AT&T says 75 million people.
2: Not to be a Debbie Downer, but couldn't we also get just you know basic internet, maybe 3G out to the rural parts of this country because we still have internet droughts.
1: Yeah, who cares about them? But the other problem is, and, and we're going to talk about this, because... It's not a problem. Is this good news for Apple?
2: This is spectacular news for
1: Apple. I think it's Apple. great news for Apple. Because, Nikki, the only Apple phones that can actually participate, you have to have a phone that can participate is in the 5G capable. network.
2: Right. It's the For the iPhones, it's 12 and up. So we've got 12 and 13. So that's it. Mm-hmm.
3: This reminds me of, of something I mentioned to you in the past about, I saw an interview with a, a one of my favorite guitar players, Eric Clapton, and he was explaining the fact that when we went from cassettes to CDs, everybody who had previously released music on cassettes saw a nice cash infusion because people wanted to update their their collection. Right. And so all the artists got to sort of double dip. You know, they earn money from selling you the cassette and then they earn money from selling you that same album in CD format, you know. Now they're uh,
2: making money off the vinyl.
3: Well,
4: now they're not make, yeah. really making that much
3: money selling music. No,
4: not anymore.
2: Just the, the performance, problem.
4: yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, back to the uh, it helping Apple, definitely will, especially when people start talking to their friends who don't have the 5G capability. Like, oh, wow, this mm-hmm. is so much faster than than what it uh, used to be. Um, then you're going to have FOMO if you're missing out. Oh, yeah. And if, people if will you come, have, go on
1: board. They say if you have a compatible phone, look for the 5G UW. I'm assuming it's like a top right hand corner, probably, or 5G with a plus sign on your phone. But certainly, I think it it helps Apple in the upgrade cycle. Uh, yeah. uh, because, you know, how many people that own iPhones, of the percentage of people that own iPhones, own 12 and 13s? It's got to be a small percentage. I'm sure it is. 13 just came out
2: mm-hmm. last I, year. I feel like the whole planned obsolescence is kind of just going to yeah. really accelerate and take right. off.
1: Well, we'll see what happens. And of course, Apple, you know, they'll be there to uh, pick up all Reap the pieces. Reap all the benefits. They're going to do it. I'll tell you what, the, you know, we love Apple and the stock we do own uh, personally and for clients. Again, I want to encourage everybody to come out to uh, to our office in Central Florida and let's sit down and discuss your portfolio. All you have to do to set an appointment and we will we can't, see you next week we're very very uh very booked actually next thank week you is to you folks next week is, is going to be slammed but the week after we can and it's any time of the day we can meet you after hours during the day in the morning whatever it takes but 407-831-8002 that's 407-831-8002 you can use that number to get a portfolio review just to talk to somebody and see if something you're about to do is suitable for you and set an appointment to get your taxes done and uh, most people aren't going to get their w-2s and 1099s for another week or so
2: right and, and also too i think we touched on a little bit earlier about our new year's resolutions and you know health and wealth if you also have an advisor it never hurts to get a second opinion except for if you're our clients but so if you have someone it never hurts to have fresh eyes take a take a peek at your portfolio maybe give you some ideas
1: yep and again if you missed any portion of this show You can catch it on the podcast app. So that's Apple, Spotify, Spotify.
2: podcast app. There's tons of them out there. Whatever you like.
1: And we will be back next weekend right here on the Florida Man Radio Network. You've been listening to the Stock Doctor's Prescription. We will catch everybody next week. Have a great weekend.